0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. We've got a great, fresh show tonight featuring uh, the band Story Hill. They're celebrating their 30th anniversary, and they've got a big festival coming up on August 25th through the 27th called Story Hill Fest at uh, Clearwater Forest. And we'll find out where and how you can get tickets to that. But we're going to be talking about uh, their beautiful career. Uh, They're very well acclaimed. They've uh, uh, charted on the billboard charts and have several records out. And our childhood buddies from Bozeman, Montana. We're waiting for John Hermanson to check in. But in the meantime, we've got one of the players of the duo, one of the two, Chris Cunningham, with us tonight. Chris, how are you?
1: Hey, doing well. Thanks, Paul. How are you?
0: Very good. So tell us a little bit about, before we get into the history of Hill, uh, tell us about the big uh, festival coming up August 25th through the 27th.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Well, it's um, kind of a custom-designed festival um, on a, uh, a lakeside of a church camp. It, it looks more like fine lodging, stone, everything. Um, and it's our 15th, I want to say, time doing it. Not all in Minnesota. We started it in, um, in Bozeman um, 20 years ago. Uh, after my wife and I got married and had a couple of days of music and um, campfires and food and a couple hundred people, so it was born out of that idea. Um, yeah, the festival's uh, designed to be you celebrate original singer-songwriters, and uh, so a lot of folk acts from around the country, acoustic singer-songwriters um, from all around, including Canada this year. Um, and it's actually kind of an intimate experience. I mean, when we say big, it's big to us, but it's like, uh, it's not a Lollapalooza, it's uh, real intimate interactive uh at kind a of community experience um with activities and music something for everyone of all ages kind of our plan well cool. mm-hmm.
0: who who are some of the performers chris
1: uh well it varies every year um we we look around and we select sometimes we do repeats this year is pretty cool um People like uh well folks from the Minnesota area that might be uh known are include like uh Humbird is coming. Heard of her, kind of on the rise. Um, and then Justin Ross was a native guitar fingerstyle guy from Minnesota. Moved to Colorado, but he's coming he's coming back. Um, let's see, Vance Gilbert is one of the more seasoned sort of fanned out old guard folk guys, super entertaining and amazing songwriter um, and then we have uh, kind of a Sula variety. We have this guy, Scott Cook from Canada, apparently is very uh very great uh, storyteller and uh, travels the world uh, with him and his guitar. He's kind of a troubadour. Um, Sarah Morris, back to the sort of Twin Cities area, will join us. And Molly Mayer, uh, that's exciting. Um,
0: we love, Molly and, the have... wall- we love uh, yeah. Molly and the Wall of Power Radio or We've had her on, and I've known her for years. And she is not only a fabulous musician, but one of the coolest people you'll ever meet.
1: Yeah. For sure. I just got to meet her for my first time a month ago up at a place called And Well, you all know where that is.
0: We all know where that is. And she's
1: been is. hosted. Yeah, yeah the Lutzon, uh Festival, Lutzon. Uh We were invited to, she invited us to headline that one. And um, so we got to party with her around the campfire ring afterwards. It's really nice. And she's super cool. And it turns out we have a lot of friends in common. And her and my Story Hill partner, Johnny... Go back uh that history, too. Um, apparently, she's a really great luthier or guitar repair. She's like a, a lot of things, it sounds like.
0: <laughs> well, she, uh, she worked for years at Willie's American Guitars in St. Paul. She really knows the guitar stuff. I bumped into several people over the years that uh, have bought guitars from Molly at Willie's. She knows her stuff.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Maybe she can join in on the guitar <laughs> workshop we also besides music. At Story Hill Fest, there are um, daily workshops, um, songwriting workshops. You know, someone does a little yoga in the morning. Um, there's stuff for kids, crafts and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Well, I think Molly does yoga, too, so she could do all of those workshops. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Well, She's then, yeah, I'll we'll
1: just
0: uh, keep her up all night and all day. <laughs> 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 yeah. Now, Chris Cunningham, like uh tell us how you uh, bumped into John and when you guys started playing together. Okay, yeah,
1: it's kind of a long story, but basically we both grew up in the same town and we're in the same school system. Um, and we started crossing, crossing paths back in middle school, uh, but... The um, sort of real connection started in, I want to say, seventh grade, geography class or something.
0: Cool. Um,
1: where we, we were the, we were, the teacher had asked the, the students to pair off, and we were the last two standing, you know, <laughs> both too shy to pick a partner. Funny. Um, so the te- the, yeah. Um, and so we worked on a project together in school found that we had a lot in common, and, um, you know, the friendship included a lot of different things back then, sports and um, socializing and stuff like that, too, but the music, uh, we both started doing choirs together, and um, one thing led to another. We started doing our own songwriting at these little uh, public concerts or, you know, uh, shows for parents and churches and stuff, and, uh, quickly got feedback from the community that, you know, there was something kind of special about our harmonizing and, um, just our, you know, ship. Um, so it, it was born pretty young. Um, we didn't expect to make a career out of it. Um, but we did a recording to celebrate, you know, our high school graduation and, uh, back on cassette, and uh, all the cassettes were sold, uh out. Cool. And so there was, like, a, the whole, like, okay, what do we do now? Reordering process, and, yeah, it just kind of grew from there.
0: couple of questions, um, Chris Cunningham. What was the name of your geography teacher? Let's give him or her a shout-out.
1: Well, I know who it wasn't. But I can't remember who it was.
2: <laughs>
0: uh,
1: that's going back so far. I'm in my 50s now, so I must well, have been
0: in the mid 80s. I'm older than you, and I remember Ted Jesky was my seventh grade geography teacher. But I digress. <laughs> um, what? Uh, so what? What kind of cover songs were you playing back then?
1: Oh wow! Yeah, it <laughs> we had to play covers, right? Because we didn't have a lot of original at the time, but. Um, yeah, it was everything from songwriters from the seventies that you everyone would know—John Denver and um, Jim Croce, Joni Mitchell, that kind of stuff. Um, Neil Young, and then we also were really into lots of different music. So uh, things like uh, bands like REM we would cover once in a while. U um, two, <laughs> uh, whatever was fun to play. Yeah, but we. We didn't do a lot of covers uh, because it was more satisfying for us to see what we could create on our own and if it would, you know, go over well.
0: What was the very first song you guys wrote together?
1: Um, I remember a couple. One of them was called Broken is the Word. And back then I was on piano and um, Johnny had picked up the guitar, uh, which he would later you know persuade me to do because I think his argument was they're a lot lighter and easier to carry than pianos
0: (laughs) well he was correct
1: (laughs) and um, we played for this uh, candlelight concert where the parents of all the choir kids would come in and um, listen to their their student kids sing like seven bridges road or whatever but john and i Opted to do broken is the word, and uh and that's again that was like huh, that went over well, people liked it, uh standing o or whatever <laughs> um I think that got us thinking that you know stuck in our minds that we could do our own stuff and um have just a little bit more satisfaction out
0: of that. I remember a great story. Uh, Bob Dylan, His, I think it was the summer he graduated in 59, maybe the summer before, he got out to Fargo, North Dakota to perform with Bob, uh, Bobby V, and he said his name was Elston Gunn, and then he played piano. Well, they did a handful of gigs, but um, some of the gigs uh, where they were performing didn't have a piano, so Elston Gunn, of course, Bob Dylan said, that's okay. I'll just do hand claps.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a great story. Yeah. Yeah, you know, whatever... Um, whatever works. Moves you got to make. Make a show, yeah.
0: <laughs> We've got Chris Cunningham um, from the band Story Hill. They've got a great uh, the Story Hill Fest coming up August 25th through 27th at uh, Clearwater Forest Camp. We're going to listen to one of their very first recordings called If I Could... And we'll have Chris on for the whole show. And if John gets back from elk hunting, whatever the hell he's doing, uh, he can call. And <laughs> we'll have John as well. But Here we go. If I Could by Story Hill. You
2: have the heaven in your eyes that I've been looking for. The fire that's in the sun is in our hearts. And with a stick I write your name on the shifting shore. And then you write my Next to yours, and if I could, I would write your name on every grain of sand on every shore. We slept our sleepless nights alone, wondering what it's all for, until we found each other here. Still we lie awake at night, and we talk about things that we would only talk about behind closed doors. And if I could, I would lie awake with you every night and all night evermore. And if I could, I would write your name on every grain of sand.
0: heard a song called could it be by the band story hill my guest tonight on the show and uh this was recorded at the sacred heart music center in duluth minnesota by a great engineer and house some man over there named eric swanson tell us a little bit about uh this recording this song and uh let's talk a little bit about eric because he's so good
1: Oh my pleasure! Yeah, well, for one, um, you know, we just love singing in that hall, as, it, as probably anyone would would say. Um, you know, the natural acoustics, the reverb. I think the tail. I think Eric was saying the tail of the reverb is something like five and a half or six seconds. You know.
0: Oh yeah. It's
1: marble floors, sixty foot ceilings, and and, uh, and then you know you add in his. Uh, incredibly great ears and gear. I mean, microphones from, you know, vintage Neumann's and just great setup. Um, And I'm a, I'm a studio engineer myself here in Bozeman. So I drool when I go visit uh, Eric and um, he's asking his, his, yeah. yeah, And his whole, you know, years of experience, is just so admirable. Um, Plus his personality. So skill and, So, when we were there, it was two summers ago, I want to say, so 2021, and we drove Johnny's uh, brand new 50-year-old vintage Volkswagen bus of his (laughs) dream, and found a campsite, and with the intention to go record two songs with Eric over the course of two days. You know, we wanted to make sure um, and capture them live, and... Kind of, for us as a duo, we really um, we delve deep into the nuances of our songs because it's just the two guitars and two voices. It we maybe make it seem easy, but it's actually quite a bit of um, you know repeating ourselves until we find how the song wants to express itself through us. Sure, sounds a little esoteric, but yeah, um, you know, and so there's a degree of sort of surrendering our pride and you know kind of some humility in, in terms of respecting how a song wants to be um treated and so and eric could understand that so he was not in our faces at all about like oh that was a great take or you guys should stop now or anything we just <laughs> you know he just kind of set up and stood like a sentinel, you know just on the wings Jeoparding. Well, he's such
0: a, uh, such a professional and he's so easy to work with. I'm going to tell you a quick story, Chris Cunningham. I, I played that uh, Sacred Heart several times over the years, I just played there in May for the Dylan Fest. And when I walked in there several years ago, I was reminded I was in a wedding party there at sometime in the seventies and, uh, I was talking to my sister about it. She goes, Oh, do you remember when the bride would not come out of where were the, the bride or the bridesmaid uh-huh. stayed because she didn't want to get married. Oh, no. it, took, it it held up the uh, proceedings by about 20 to 30 minutes. They finally did get married there. Uh, divorced just a few years later, but it was a little uncomfortable for the groom and, uh, and the congregants at that particular uh, event, but it got better of theirs. Let me ask you this, Chris Cunningham: How do you figure out your guitar arrangements? Because you got two guitars. I mentioned maybe one guy's capwing up, and you're playing in different chord positions. Or how do you figure that out?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's pretty rare that we're that the two of us are on the same um, tuning or. Uh, chord progression. It's pretty rare. You know, and when it is, when it does happen, it's, it's on purpose. Um, everything's on purpose. We spend quite a bit of time, you know, looking for complementary um, not keys, but capo settings. Um, and then of course you play different chords because we want to try to, um, our guitar work gets described as being pretty intricate and, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, and Johnny actually has a background in classical violin performance kind of stuff from St. Olaf College there in the, you know, Minnesota, uh, Northfield, Um, and grew up playing violin, so I think maybe that plays into his subconscious in a way. Um, A lot of times he will be able to um, come up with guitar parts that are just kind of irrepeatable for the average player, and... For me, at least, I, I just don't know how he does it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, me too. I'll um, I'll do some finger work that, you know, it's like it's like it it it, it, it it's kind of like a if you're skiing, say you you know you know where you're gonna get to, but you don't know exactly the path you're gonna take. You kind of discover sure. that going down the hill, and um, same with coming up with a final arrangement for one of our songs, a lot of times we sort of just launch out and, and try and, and just uh, let ourselves weave around as much as needed until something lands. And, um, and, and then, you know, usually both of us will just kind of resonate with them like, okay, yeah, that's, that's cool. Let's do that. Let's do that again. And get it into our memory and bones and stuff. And, um, And then after a while, we have these parts, these guitar parts that sort of interweave and, you know, and along with our voices and harmonies, the same thing, you know, we kind of pick different notes and um, it's sort of like Simon and Garfunkel, only maybe a little more artsy, um, although they're plenty artsy, um, but you're just looking for something that's going to sort of be different and unique. And uh right. Yeah, and so It's a lot of time And, you know, repeating And, you know, honestly We've discovered that A lot of our music and songs You know, they may be presentable At a certain point And then we hit the stages And playing live in front of an audience Really does inform the way we Respond to our own songs Oh, absolutely and, You know, and so I think probably a lot of live performers experience that, too, is, you know, they take on a new life and dimension once you've been playing them out consistently over a period of, say, months or years, even. And that's when you start to know that, oh, that song is, like, it's got a life of its own. It kind of stands out. We know know how to do that one now, you know?
0: Right. Well, you know, it it frustrates me over the years when I see a band with, Two guitar players and they're playing the same chords in the same position, and I just want to buy a capo and give it to them because the beautiful thing <laughs> for any guitar players out there would know if you've got two guitar players and one guy's playing, let's say, first position in the first three to five frets. Somebody else capos up another five to twelve frets. Um, you get it, two guitars can sound more like a piano at that point.
1: Exactly, yeah. A lot of overtones and, you know, full range. Um, and pianos are built that way, right? A lot of strings yeah. to hit and overtones,
0: yeah. So mm-hmm. I agree. Cunningham, who are, who are some of your favorite guitar players? Who's influenced you?
1: Okay. Um, well, have you heard of, uh, by chance, uh, he's a songwriter originally from the East Coast, Singer songwriter. Uh one of my favorites that's sort of not super well known but definitely super respected and has a following. Um, his name is Richard Schindel.
0: Oh yeah, I'm very familiar with him.
1: Oh, okay. I think he's pretty amazing as far as um being a one man, you know, with a guitar, one person with a guitar and just the you know, the timbre and tone of his singing And the uh, sort of, uh, you know, curiosity level of what he's singing about, I always drawn into the the fact that he he rarely sings from his own experience. He almost always takes on a character. Mm -hmm. It's fun for me to try to figure out, you know, and it can be a character from, you know, modern times to, you know, other eras. For me to you know try to figure out who who I am when I'm listening to that you know who the who is this singer voice and anyway and then his guitar work can be pretty cool I mean it's nothing super flashy but it's it's interesting enough to not only carry a tune but to um, complement songs you know and fill in um, but I have to, at the same time as far as like you know people with prowess that I admire well um, Martin Sexton is probably my Hands down, favorite
0: live solo guy. You know he just he He just Uh played in Duluth, and I missed it. I that one was completely off my radar. But yeah, I'm very familiar with Sexton. Great musician.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a
0: powerhouse. (laughs) So, who are some of your songwriting influences?
1: Yeah, I would have to start with you know my early influences have always stuck around um for me just they just don't seem to go away um the gordon lightfoot and john denver and you know um johnny mitchell and that that whole ilk from the 70s the crosby still the and, and young the simon and garfunkel again they're just so steeped in me that i think they'll always be because that's what was uh, played on the record players at my parents' house all the time, and that's what I started learning to do. Um, when I, again, on piano, I would cover their songs, <laughs> buy songbooks, and, you know. And um, anyway, so I, I, I just, I think that's basically me. The James Taylor, you know, that that sort of Indigo Girls, that that kind of thing.
0: You know, because I'm a wealth of useless knowledge uh but i've won hundreds of bets at bars because of it uh john denver actually spent some time in edina his god-given name was Don- john deutschendorf and he right. wrote a song very popular song any song from yeah, a woman, I, I don't that know one. if they got married and he went to st. Olaf college
1: oh uh, ha! Wow, you won that bet, huh? That's interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> That's really interesting and cool. Yeah, and I I went to Saint Olaf as well. I followed Johnny there.
0: Uh, did a year you ever later. know a um, professor there named Vern Fiata? Uh,
1: so I was there in ninety ninety four, and so I'm not sure I knew that one. He was What's a uh, he was a late.
0: He, he has a cabin right by us on our family cabin at Lake Vermilion philosophy professor first first adult i knew with long hair in the 60s really cool guy we've got uh chris cunningham from the band story hill their show is um big three-day event august 25 through 27th at clearwater forest camp story hill fest we're going to have him on for one more segment on the wall of power radio hour stick around we'll be right back Welcome back to the last set on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metz, talking with my main man from Story Hill, Chris Cunningham. Chris, so how... how you guys have been together, what, 30 years? Yeah,
1: 30-plus. Um, we celebrated our 30-year uh, career anniversary four years ago, back in 2019. Uh, we... uh our manager at the time coordinated a, uh, like a kind of a bus trip tour of Montana and some of the sites where a lot of the songs originated from, and we had people flying in from as far as Argentina to join us. Wow. In New York, and yeah, some of our fans have been around, and they're, they're you know, thanks to the internet and other things, uh, they kind of are fiercely loyal. <laughs> well, um, that's... You a long career
0: with lots of sort of chapters to it uh well i have to th- uh throw in here today it would be is the 48th anniversary of my band cats under the stars we haven't played in a couple of years we're getting to, ready to fire something up sooner than later but uh, uh so i credit okay. anybody that's been in the music business even if they've taken time off for having a career as long as Story Hill has. How many records have you guys put out?
1: Ah, that's awesome. Uh, Well, we've done, like, over a dozen independent releases. We were also on Red House Records for a stretch and did uh, two records, for Red House Records, um, or with them while they were still, you know, standing uh, before they got bought out by uh, Compass. But, yeah, and... We got to work with, uh, we tapped uh, Dan Wilson. I'm sure that's a pretty well-known name. Um, He produced those two records. Mm -hmm. And then we've done some more independent releases. since.
0: So now with uh, Compass buying the Red House catalog, do you have any control over those two records, or do you see any money from them, or... uh, did you get kicked uh-huh. to the curb, <laughs> Pardon my
1: Yeah, you. Oh, I get it. It's uh, um, it's the kind of scenario right now where when we want records, we just buy more from them. Um, you know, they own the licenses at this point. Um, a lot of Red, former Red House artists have uh, managed to, you know, get their rights back, so they can kind of be free of that. And uh, it's been kind of on our minds to do that, too, because those two records, um one of them is called Story Hill, and it's a, an eponymous record that we made with Dan Wilson, um, produced in his attic, actually, his ballroom in Minneapolis. Um And it's just, a, it's a favorite record uh, with a lot of our favorite songs. Um, so we'd like to get that one back, and Shade of the Trees is the other one. Um, so yeah, it's a process. <laughs>
0: You know, I remember years, the music business. <laughs> I, uh, as uh, the great uh, alto sax bebop player, Eddie Berger, who was a, just a wonderful musician, uh, used to refer to the music business as the shoe biz. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. wasn't, he really wasn't that far off the track. For any uh, young musicians out there, Chris could tell you and Paul Metzik could tell you, I remember I had lunch with Bob Mould. After uh, he left, Who's Could Do and was started on his own, which become a phenomenal solo career, he told me, whatever you do, remember to hang on to your master recordings. Have you been able to do that uh, with the exception of these Red House records? I imagine so, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that journey with Story Hill.
1: Yeah, I actually have a storage unit, right, Um Our masters uh, from the early years, including you know, two inch tape, (laughs) right? Um, Yeah, and half inch and all that. So yes, we have, and I think one of our we did uh, our clearing clearing record is called clearing um, at another Minneapolis studio. uh, Used to be, I think it was called Blackberry Way or Oh yeah, anyway, um,
0: yeah,
1: yep. um, then Alex Juana bought it he was a friend of ours from St. Ellis um, and he called it City Cabin and uh, mm-hmm. he was a great engineer and still is um, anyway yeah we've got all our masters mm-hmm.
0: good well you know uh, the great jazz singer Mel Torme who is referred to as the Velvet Fog wrote a book and he titled it It Wasn't All Velvet so let's talk Chris Cunningham a little bit about What were the tough times for Story Hill over the years?
1: Okay. Well, certainly, um, you know, hitting the road uh, full-time in our 20s and post-college, this would be the mid-90s, was, you know, the right thing to do, and it was very exciting for quite a while. Uh, But it did, you know, that life of constant the constant life of being on the road kind of wore me out, um, and I started to miss being in one place, miss having friends, that kind of thing. Uh, I started to yearn for community and like an actual, you know, girlfriend situation, that kind of thing. Um, so living out of the suitcase and all that and just a different town every night, uh, that got wearisome and we took a break. Well, we called it quits. Um, or so we thought.
0: <laughs> right. And uh, hey, man, there's no, like there ain't it. no, there's no money in this business until the reunion tour.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, right, because then fast forward, we, we even though Johnny and I lived in separate states, I was, I landed back in Montana, and he was uh, raising his family and doing a lot of production work in uh, indie rock stuff in the Twin Cities. Uh, so for years, we made it work um, kind of increasingly over time from uh, separate states, you know, just a lot of money went to travel, you know, planes and stuff, but uh, flights. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's never been velvet, I, you know, it's not always been all velvet, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what the velvet for us is once we hit the stage, everything happens for us. It's just so natural and magical.
0: And that's and why you do
1: so it. Yeah, and, you know, just to see the light in people's eyes, you know, when they hear the music and just to feel that music, it's 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 really uh, powerful. Um, and it's okay to take a break from it uh, now and again. I mean, especially kind of like those in-between times when you're just, you know, slogging away at strategy and trying to coordinate everybody's schedules and stuff. Uh, I have a, well, a kid now, and you now. both have
0: you both have families now and kids, right? Well, yes.
1: Um, I'm in the middle of it, midst of it. My my son is just a new, fresh teen, and uh, it's really important for me to be to me to be um, present, you know, and as available as I can for my kid and family, my wife and my parents actually too, as they age, you know, things like that. Uh, you know, swirl around in terms of priorities. And so right now, um, that's kind of a big thing for me is stability. And um, the music that I've made with Johnny is always going to be special. Um, and it's okay. We're we're actually, officially, this is our last performance for the foreseeable future, Story Hill Fest, actually. So we're sort of celebrating, you know, great music with great community in the, uh, you know, on a professional stage and, and doing this thing for a few days. And then, you know, we're going to just exhale for a while, hit the pause button, and um, each kind of do our own things for a while. So, yeah. So, where,
0: before we forget, what's uh, the Story Hill website and can people purchase tickets for the event on August 25 through mm. 27 Story Hill Fest? Give us that influence. It sure can. It's, yeah.
1: Uh, Well, storyhill.com is the main website, and storyhillfest.com gets you to the festival. Um, There's links for everything. And tickets, uh, yeah, there's a wide, there's kind of a lot of options. You can come for the whole thing or just day passes. You can stay on site, various kind of lodging and camping opportunities, everything from bring your own tent or trailer or stay at the luxury lodge just down the road, you know, there's that, yeah. Rutgers Lodge, yeah. and plenty of people off for that, um, just a little spendier, um, but it's really well put together festival, time tested, and, and this year is our first time we're going to stream this whole thing, the whole thing, uh, so for $25 ticket for the weekend, I think, per household, um, We'll have Chris Furmayer from formerly of Red House record who runs Sound at.
0: Uh, oh, Joe! I hate say hi to Chris for me. I love that guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. Always have, and he just uh, taped our or streamed our show at the Cedar in May, and kind of got the bugs or the kinks worked out. So he'll be on site to stream um, both Friday, all the artists, and Saturday all the artists. It doesn't stream the workshops and the campfires at night. Yeah, you know, the campfire is like a whole other portion for, it's just you know, it goes all into the night, people passing the guitar around. It's really fun. Um, but well, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna have a couple of like, to people this year.
0: It sounds like a great time. We got about a minute left before we're gonna listen to uh uh one of your latest songs, Blazing Out of Sight. But tell us uh, in a minute or so, Chris Cunningham from Story Hill. What were what have been some of the highlights for your band over the years?
1: Mm, hmm. Uh, well, I have to say I really loved floating around on the big boat in the Caribbean, uh, playing music uh, with Storyhill for the Prairie Home Companion cruises back back when those were hip. Um, yeah, we did two uh, cruises. Um, they, uh, they just, it was just so much fun to see you know, the Caribbean and another time go down to Saint Lawrence. Um and I just love, you know, the oceans. That was a highlight. Uh we we also have had some fun at festivals, um like the Kerrville Folk Festival. Cool. Uh yeah, in the Falcon Ridge out east. Um you know, career highlights. But honestly it's just like it feels like everywhere we go there's some little highlight. Um I know that sounds kinda of, easy to say but we just did a kind of a backyard actually a in a park quote-unquote house concert with some friends in uh kind of near rochester and like all these friends and neighbors show up and bring their own beverages and their lawn chairs and stuff and you can just see you know you're watching the skies and the you know the weather and stuff and you're outside and Playing music—it just—it can't get any better
0: than that. There's, <laughs> no, really there's nothing better than playing music outside in the summertime in Minnesota. Chris Cunningham, this is phenomenal. Uh, tell Hermanson uh, give him a little guff for not uh, taking time on a bison hunting to join us, and we want to <laughs> give uh, Marcus Johnson a heads up for hipping me to this show. Congratulations on over 30 years of playing together, and uh, best of luck on your upcoming festival. And we're going to go out listening to uh, Blazing Out of Sight. But, Chris, it's been a pleasure talking to you tonight. Oh, right back at you, Paul.
1: It's been a pleasure. and uh, Thank
0: you so much. All right. More info at storyhill.com. Thanks for listening. Chris, have a great night. Goodbye. Goodbye. It's in the color of the trees
2: on the highway. Brilliant with dying. It's in the dust we're breathing these days, in your whispers and sighing. It's in the longest shadow stretching into the falling night. It's in the deep red sun that's setting before we're ready, blazing out of sight. Spring, when the ice was melted and the river ran high.
0: for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour the show is produced by Patrick William and Paul Metzah. we'd like to thank our guest Chris Cunningham from Story Hill my book Alphabet Jazz is available on Amazon the new book coming out Blood in the Tracks the Minnesota Musicians Behind Dylan's Masterpiece is out September 12th by the University of Minnesota Press we'll be doing a book release in Minneapolis soon we'll keep you posted on that follow me at Paulmetsa.com. And like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy.